Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. There's a scene unfolding Saturday and Sunday while the spinsters at the Pentagon, the State Department, and the White House are saying any American who wants to come home is going to be able to come home. And meanwhile, there are Americans waving their passports. They got through the Taliban checkpoints. They're at the gate that the U.S. military controls. They're waving their passports. We are Americans. Let us in. And they were turned away. Uh, and a colonel who is witnessing this from afar in a command center says, we're bleeping leaving American citizens behind it. He could not believe it. I've talked to soldiers that have, have talked to their friends on the front lines. The soldiers wanted to turn the key on that gate and let Americans in. The State Department and their command chain would not allow them in. And everything. This is the reality in Afghanistan. Yet I'll share with you from Jim Garrity over at National Review. He does this daily email called the Morning Jolt. Belong to it, don't totally up 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 to you. And when you read it, what does it start with? American media turn away from Afghanistan. Well, you knew it was gonna come, right? Just because they actually did some real reporting on what was happening doesn't mean they're going to stick with it. American media turning away from the Americans that have been stranded in Afghanistan, which I don't believe is said strong enough, the Americans left to die. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? We're going to get wrapped up in stories of what? Joe Rogan getting COVID? I'm going to get into that. Oh, I'm going to take that one apart bit by bit and piece by piece. Stories about abortion in Texas and the new abortion law, I get into that too. We actually spoke with a representative, State Representative James White, who was part of the legislation or the legislature that voted for it, that just made its way through the Supreme Court because they refused to take the case. We're getting into that as well. But how do we even think we're going to be able to engage other subjects in America when we've left Americans behind? Remember that this is the Joe Biden strategy. The Joe Biden strategy is based on the idea that we will forget. That's, that's the belief. That's the theory. We will forget. We won't pay attention. The question, of course, is what do we think is going to happen here? Are we indeed going to be the people that forget that we left Americans for dead? That's a legitimately good question to ask. And what does it take to remind ourselves of such things? Are we going to be the people who take these kinds of answers from Ned Price, spokesman for the State Department? Yes. Did, did you have a number for have any Americans gotten out since that last flight? I, I don't have uh, I don't have data to provide on that front. So you don't know. You don't know if anybody else has has gotten out. You're not a hundred percent sure if anybody else has gotten out. Why don't we talk to this soldier right here, as was done with a local newscast? about his wife left behind 
Feelings of desperation and pain, this retired Army veteran says, are part of the battle he's now fighting, knowing hundreds were left behind in Kabul or protecting his identity because his wife is one of the hundreds still trying to evacuate and escape the Taliban he helped fight. What was it like for her trying to get to the airport? It was a nightmare. His wife wasn't able to make it on a plane. President Biden says Operation Allied Rescue evacuated more than 5,500 Americans, but the veteran says many were left behind. I want the government to know that a lot of Afghans, that they are Afghan Americans, they are Afghans with the green card or visas or SIVs, they are also left behind, plus our own Americans. And most of the people, if the president says, like, they choose to stay, no, nobody will choose to stay, actually, in that kind of situation. Because every single minute you're waiting for death. We're supposed to forget that? Is, is that what we're supposed to no longer pay attention to? How about an NBC foreign correspondent discussing how bad the situation is with Andrea Mitchell? And Atiyah, what about the American plan to get the remaining Americans, those who choose to leave, and the Afghan allies out of the country, to say nothing of all the women, the women journalists we've been trying to get out and we failed to get out? What are you hearing from people on the ground? Uh, it's not good, Andrea, from the people on the ground. Um, I'm hearing men crying on the phone, females crying on the phone. Uh, one woman had her uh, house sprayed with bullets uh, by the Taliban because she was a female lawyer and her father was a colonel who died uh, two months ago, and they're all terrified. Uh, right now, the only hope that they have is that someone's still talking uh, to them, and I can't tell them what's going on because we don't really know, and I don't think the administration knows either. I no kidding. The administration doesn't know anything, except, of course, the administration knows how to cover themselves. How about the phone call? Let's make this the first tent stake in remembering what it is that happened, who it is that has been left behind. And that is the phone call between Joe Biden and Ghani the president of Afghanistan, who did, yes, leave the country, but may still be president of the country. A phone call where Joe Biden said, hey, the perception is is that the Taliban is doing too well. The perception is we're losing to the Taliban. No matter what we do, we got to change that perception. That's what he said. We got to change that perception. This is the quote. There is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. So the Taliban is tearing things up. The Taliban's going to take the country. Everybody knows it. This idea they didn't think it would happen so fast. Clearly he did. And what we have to do is lie to everyone to say that you're holding off. How about the fact that in the call, Biden was talking about the Afghani armed forces? You clearly have the best military. You have 300,000 well-armed forces versus 70, 80,000. They're clearly capable of fighting well. That's what he said. How about the fact that Biden said we will continue to provide close air support if we know what the plan is? Well, wait a second. Now put it all together. 
look, you guys can take on the Afghanis. Sure, you need air support. We'll continue to provide that close air support. But we need to change the perspective here. There's a need, whether it's true or not, there's a need to project a different picture. What's the difference between that phone call and what they said Donald Trump did with Ukraine? Hey, uh, look, I know you want the aid, but I, I need this thing done. If you look into it, that's great. Okay, here's your, here, here's your money. And the money was sent, as we all know. But in this case, there, there's no air support. It's perfect Joe Biden. I mean, it is absolutely perfectly corn pop. He went full tough guy, country club thug on his Afghan partners. Look, you got a nice country. You like the country. Yeah, we ain't so fond of the country. Us, we got to go. We got other places we got to be. You know, we want to take a little vacation. But here, listen, you want our help. I understand. You need our help. You want our help. You want our help. You need our help. We're going to give you our help, all right? Are we friends? Are we friends? Are we? Of course we're friends. You want my friendship, don't you? Don't you want my friendship? Of course you want my friendship. Here we do. We'll keep up that air support thing. We'll take little planes. We'll fly them around. Ooh, it's going to be very scary to those people, right? So, so we'll do that. But, uh, look, we can't have this perception that somehow the Taliban's getting the upper hand. So you got you to gotta tell people, doesn't matter how you do it, doesn't matter how you do it, you just got to tell people that you got the Taliban under control. That's what you got to do. My media needs to see that, all right? These people, these people, they're ruthless, this media. So you make that happen, I'll make the air support happen, boom, bop, bip, next thing you know, we're having a little bit of lunch, everything's perfect. What do you say, huh? That's what Biden did. I thought that was an impeachable offense. But, oh, no, 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 we're not going to have any of that. We're not going to have any Nancy Pelosi actually searching for the truth. We won't even get Jen Psaki to understand or, or, or explain the call. Just, just want to put a pin in that report. Was the president in any way pushing a false narrative in that call with the Afghan president? I think it's pretty clear. Again, I'm not going to go into details of a private conversation, but what we saw over the course of the last few months is a, a collapse in leadership. And that was happening even before Ghani left the country. What the president has conveyed repeatedly, privately, and publicly is you need to stand up and lead your country. And that's something he said at a press conference in July in public forum as well. Now, we should be clear that when the Trump phone call was leaked, she had plenty to say about it. We should also be clear that there's very obviously a deep state if these conversations can be leaked. Like, that's a whole separate thing that we should look into because I oppose the leaks. It's not like I was upset with them under Trump and now all of a sudden I'm fine with them. I oppose the leaks. Leaks are bad news. Leaks create problems. But these people... These people are under the delusion that they get to decide whether or not we remember. That they can somehow move on from all of their lies, from all of their bad dealings. And we'll just go on to the next story. I often discuss the fact that there are other stories out there. And I want to impress upon people that these things still matter, that other things are still going on. 
But what they want to do is move things along as if somehow you'll forget things are happening, and that's not happening. I'm never going to forget that Jeffrey Epstein, A, didn't kill himself, and B, was raping little girls, and people knew about it. And I don't care about their political party, and I don't care about their money, and I don't care if they agree with me or disagree with me on policy. We got to find them and throw them in jail for forever. There's nothing that we can't do to those people that they don't deserve. I'm never going to forget. I'm never going to forget that we actually watched the United States, our nation, leave people behind. There is a beta male by the name of Ian Milheiser. He's a senior correspondent at Vox. If you think Vox has any kind of news value whatsoever. And what's his tweet? Today is the first full day. Today is the first full day in nearly 20 years that my country is not at war. I am grateful that President Biden had the vision to make this a reality, even though the end of the Afghanistan war makes many other journalists sad. Holy cow, there's a place in hell for you. Do you think that's what it is? Journalists are sad that they don't have something to cover? What fool, uh, allow me, allow me, guys. What fool believes that we are somehow not at war? It's the Taliban. It's Al-Qaeda. It's ISIS-K. Of course we're at war. We're at war with them. We're at war with China. We're at war with Russia. We're at war with Iran. Of course we are. I thought we were at war with those fundamentalists or or, or what do you call them, the, the, the neo-Nazi groups, the white supremacist groups. That's it. Aren't we at war with them? We're not at war. Do you know what kind of partisan jerk face you are to say this? Well, yeah, well, we left Americans behind, but at least we're not at war anymore. Whoo! There's a place in hell for people like that. This is what happens when people replace their humanity with their ideology. You know how long I've been using that line? Years. I actually used it in a video. Uh, I do a video series over at Red State. You can use promo code CATS and get the discount, redstate.com. It's going great. And building it out. And I used it for the first time over there. It's the first time some people had ever heard it. But this is what it is. This is exactly the moment. So politically left that you've given up your humanity. Does the R or the D after your name change whether or not you care about Americans left behind? Because if so, holy cow. I don't know how to help that person. And that person needs help. Because if that person can say, I don't care if we left people uh, behind, that's the person who will go along with the stories designed to make us forget that we left Americans to die. And I don't think we should forget. I don't think we're going to forget. I refuse to forget. I can't. I don't know how I look my kids in the eye. I don't know how I look myself in the eye. Now, I don't favor members of Congress going on rescue missions. I'll get to that. That's been happening. There was a congressman who was missing for a while from Oklahoma. He's back. I'll get to that story. But these people who are basically running like levels of Pineapple Express to get people out, they're incredible. Because leave no man behind is more than just a phrase. It's more than just a slogan or a motto. 
and the people so willing to abandon that, we can't allow them to be in charge anymore. There will be no forgetting of what Joe Biden did and the people who enabled this horror. I'm Tony Katz. President Biden talking about Hurricane Ida was able to grab some of what he had to say. For Louisiana and Mississippi to help us respond quickly. FEMA prepositioned more than 4.3 million meals and more than 3 million liters of water and other critical resources in the region before it hit. We deployed more more than 250 generators, and we're working to getting more into the area, especially to hospitals in desperate need of them. The Department of Health and Human Services deployed a 250-bed federal medical shelter in New Orleans and five medical assistance teams available throughout the state. Since the hurricane hit, More than 6,000 members of the National Guard have been activated in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Texas, and other states to support. Look, I'm I'm glad to see that the, the response is there. Not happy to see the looting. I noticed, though, that the storm continued its way to the Northeast, and there's been some crazy flooding in New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. I mean, people have died in, in, in this. And you'll see uh, the, the subways are flooded and the streets are flooded. I don't recall this coverage when it actually hit New Orleans. This constant bias to New York and D.C., because that's where media resides, it's in their backyard... I'm telling you right now, if COVID had really concentrated itself in Billings, Montana, we would have had half the coverage. And you would not have had people saying, well, we have to lock down. It just would not have happened. This this bias that exists, that permeates the media. I, I don't want to see anybody get hurt from, from flooding and from rains, but I don't actually care if the subway floods. Derechos move through Iowa. No one pays attention. You don't care that the farmland is destroyed? You were late getting home. These people aren't able to supply food to your supermarkets. I think I'll focus where I focus. In the meantime, the nation is abortion-obsessed. It's a fetish. We'll get into it. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. So I'm trying to understand the fetish. And and I'm not trying to be cruel or crude. I'm not trying to be shocking, shock jockish or whatever it is they, they say uh, about me. I'm trying to understand this fetish about abortion. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. There are a lot of things where there are fetishes. 
there is this fetish about uh, this belief that we get rid of cops and we bring in community policing and then everything's fine. That's that's just a ruse. That's the red herring. The fetish is about the concept of fundamental transformation. The political left has a fetish about fundamental transformation of the nation. That it, it it is it is a fetish. For whatever you want to say about the political right and and conservatives, right? Conservatives want to conserve, but they're not conserving something that is about putting somebody in 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 the in in the in the back seat. What what is the line? The you're going to bring us back to the 1950s. No one no one has ever said anything like it. I'm not saying there's not somebody out there who doesn't believe it. I am saying no one has ever said anything like it. But the left has clearly said they want to get rid of police. You have got a woman by the name of Tiffany Caban. She's a socialist. She's going to end up in New York on the city council representing Western Queens because she won the primary, and that's the way it goes. She's got a 48-page manifesto that would strip cops in courts of their law enforcement roles, like sending violent perpetrators to prison. Instead... She wants a situation where the victim of the mugging, for example, would be responsible for deciding the fate of the assailant or maybe helping them recuperate. Example of use? A person is beat up, suffers a broken rib, and is robbed of his wallet. First, his needs are heard and affirmed, and he works with trained staff to develop a services and healing plan. Then when he is ready, he participates in restorative justice circles with the person who harmed him and their respective support systems. He asks questions and gets answers, and they develop an accountability and consequences plan. So the person who attacks the other person steals the wallet, doesn't go to jail. The person who got attacked says, why did you rob me? And the guy who robbed them says, because you had the money, bitch. And then they say, okay, Look, I'm not trying to dismiss the idea of rehabilitation. I value the idea of rehabilitation. I don't value the idea of playing footsie with the idea of consequences. But these people who believe that it, we, we, it's, it, the problem is cops and the problem is all cops and just can't work and it never works, that's, that's a fetish. We're going to defund the police. Crime goes up by a thousand percent. We need to refund the police. Okay, well, that's just strange, but sure. No, take that back. We're going to defund them again. Fetish. Weird stuff. Ving Rhames, Pulp Fiction kind of stuff. But it happens in more than just this case. It happens where I see it most of all in this idea of of abortion there there is a flat out fetish from the political left on abortion it's a fetish it isn't one thing to say well we think it should it should be legal it is the linchpin that holds the political left together as if without it, they have nothing else. It is the one thing that if you are not in total agreement with, which is not that abortion should be safe and legal and rare, but abortion should happen 24-7, 365. You should sing your abortion. You should be proud of it. Tattoo it across your chest. And if someone opposes it, they hate women's rights. And you should go after those people. And you should be violent with the people who don't think you should kill. 
It's very, very strange. It's a fetish. And I am trying to figure out why. I am trying to figure out why it is that this is such a fetish. Producer, did you hear Producer Ari right there? They know it upsets me. That's what turns them on. It's like uh, it's like PETA, who they're like, if you eat meat, it's murder. And they were trolling you. I would send a picture of me eating a cheeseburger to troll them. Like you know, it. I know it annoys them. The PETA people, their argument is you can eat other things. And remember that the pro-lifer and the PETA person has much in common. They're trying to keep things alive. So the PETA person is engaged in the idea, even if that, even though I think they're wrong, they're engaged in the idea of saying we shouldn't do this. We as a species should do this other thing. The people who are singing their abortion have no shame. They don't even consider that not only do they not consider it murder, they consider it wrong if you actually have the baby. They oppose anything that has a doctor discussing with a mother the idea of keeping the child. They think that is the sin against nature. That's a fetish. They like the killing. They don't care if they troll me, although they may, producer Ari, get some kind of joy out of upsetting me. But it is clear that they have a fetish about this. I just got a tweet. The right are obsessed with abortion and women's sex lives, and now they want to encourage stalking of women with this new law. But yeah, it's the left. Hold on a second. Hold on. Let's, let's just take a step and take a moment. Let's let's just just a just a deep breath, everybody, as we as we take that one in right there. Ah, let's think of puppies. Um, cute, cute puppies. Not the dogs left behind in Afghanistan by Biden, but no, the cute puppies that run around the yard. Ah, isn't that better? Now let's take this on bit by bit and piece by piece. This continued conversation that the right is obsessed with women's sex lives. Not only is there no value in that statement, there is no fact in that statement, there's no honesty in that statement, no one cares who you're having sex with. That is not the argument. Not now, not ever, not at all. A weird flex from the idea that the pro-life side doesn't want you to kill anything. They didn't ask who you had sex with. Now, there may be some people of a religious sort who do, but you're an American. You can have sex with whomever you want. But we're talking about pregnancy. And we're not getting into the conversations for the sake of right now about incest and rape and this Texas thing. And I, and I actually spoke with a Texas legislator uh, about what happened. I'll get to that in a little bit. And about this case and the Supreme Court and everything else. Because Texas now says six weeks, heartbeat, no abortion. And that's the law. And people like Representative Ocasio-Cortez are incredibly upset. Here she is on Twitter. Republicans promised to overturn Roe v. Wade, and they have. They haven't, by the way. Roe Ro v. Wade still exists. Democrats, she writes, can either abolish the filibuster and expand the court or do nothing as millions of people's bodies, rights, and lives are sacrificed for far-right minority rule. This shouldn't be a difficult decision. 
The only bodies being sacrificed are the ones that you're killing. Look, abortion ain't my subject. I'm just doing it by the books, people. Obsessed with sex lives. What the hell are you talking about? What kind of nonsense 1987 conversation are you having? Stalking women? What are you referring to when you say such a thing? And yes, it is the left. The left is obsessed with abortion. I swear to good Lord, people, you got to keep up. You want to make an argument about something else? You can. I'm not going to tell you you can't. Just share it with me, would you please? Make me understand. I'd I'd appreciate the help. But don't think that you can obfuscate. The left is obsessed with abortion. The question is why? Producer Ari says, because it annoys me. That's a theory. I don't think that's it. Right, right. I I get it. I get it. I get it. I I get that it's a theory, Producer Ari. I'm, I'm not... I'm not I'm not saying no. I am saying that it's more than this. It's more than this. It can't be just because you 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 want to annoy me. That doesn't make any sense. There has to be some kind of perceived value. Because if you thought it was important, you didn't want anybody to bother you about it. You would just do it and you wouldn't get in anybody's face about it. And some people would come and protest and and uh, you, you would just keep doing your thing. Right? But they throw it in people's faces. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense if if you're going to say uh, to me it's about the right being obsessed with, with women's sex lives. Uh, let me say for the record, I don't care anything about Megan Rapinoe's sex life. She just wants to tell me. And I don't care anything about name the person's sex life. They want to tell me. Don't care. However, I am curious about this obsession, this fetish about abortion. And if you've got a theory, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. You can let me know uh, on Twitter as well. Let me know on Twitter. I'm I'm all ears. Uh, You can email me, Tony at TonyCats.com. It's beyond recognition. It's beyond understanding. And the only thing that I have come to in the entirety of the conversation is they really like it. The people who are talking about abortion somehow really and truly like it. And I, I don't know what to do with that information. I don't know what to do with that information. I don't know what to do about a guy who tweets out, you can't screen for Down syndrome before about 10 weeks, and something like 80% of Down syndrome fetuses are aborted. If red states ban abortion, we could see a world where they have five times as many children with Down syndrome and similar numbers for other disabilities. So you favor abortion because you want to cull the herd and make sure everybody's perfect? That's what's being argued here by uh, this guy who is a president of the Center for the Study of Partisanship and Ideology. He's saying 
that abortion provides a value. Well, that's that's a serious problem in society. That's an ugly statement. That that you want to call the herd. That's historically obscene. Now, Diane on Twitter, who has been a, a, a follower and a part of, of this show on social media for, for forever, and I appreciate it, uh, this is what she thinks is meant by stalking women. So there's a one, oh, $10,000, that's right, civil payment, if a private citizen makes the case for uh, or, or, or aids and abets the performance or inducement of an abortion. If I give my friend money to go to another state, someone can sue me in civil court for violation of the statute. Okay, I, well, I wouldn't call that stalking. I think you can make an argument that that seems to be excessive. If I give my friend a ride to Louisiana, and while they're in Louisiana, they get an abortion, did I just aid and abet in such a thing and commit a crime? That's an interesting case. I'm not going to tell you that you may not have an interesting case. I'm asking a different question. Notice how my different question does not necessarily interfere with your question. It is that your question would be about obfuscating mine. What's the fetish, man? Why? And I can't get an answer to that. I had people throwing stuff at me, but I can't get an answer to that. I want one, too. I really do. Because I got to try and understand it. I have never, ever made abortion the mainstay of who I am. I never. I, I, I... but I, I, I can't not take a look at this and ask myself. It's just, it's not where I live and breathe. It isn't the top subject when I talk about things and the things that, that, I, that, I, that I value. But I don't, I, I, I want to make sure I understand what this is because it is fetish. JDS on Twitter saying indoctrinating people to be pro-abortion is a way to put them at odds with churches and synagogues that are conservative, a way of getting people to trust the government more than religious institutions. Is that it? Is that it? That's a fine take, man. Yeah, that's not bad. That's about trying to create the wedge and create the break. Oh, those those religious folk with their Jesus and their life and you you could do what you want. You know, you're 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 a woman. You could do what you could do what you want without having any standards whatsoever. That's That's something. That could be it too. We'll continue this conversation and I've got the conversation with the state representative from Texas, James White, discussing what happened in Texas and how it came to be. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. The support for full-time in-person school, that is fallen down. 
He told the kids they have to wear masks. He told them they can still get COVID even if, they ha- if they're vaccinated. And they're like, why are we here? So while it used to be 58% of parents supported in-person learning and hybrid was at 27%, it's now 43% in-person, 40% hybrid. Um, this according to a uh, survey. NBC reporting on it. I only hope you're ready for your kids to be virtual again. Oh, I'm not. I don't want it. But it's going to happen. It's coming. By the way, we talk about this abortion fetish. This is somebody who writes over at at Slate and The Week. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's categorical categorical refusal to retire brought us here, meaning the Supreme Court on abortion, the law in Texas. So thanks, you old dead white bitch. But no, no, abortion isn't a fetish. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today.